0: with hosts Aileen Drexler and Brittany Levine. Get ready to lock yourself in the bathroom or wherever else you hide from your kids because you'll literally
1: never be alone again. Hello and welcome to the Betcha's Moms podcast. I'm Aileen.
2: And I'm Brittany. And this week we have two highly requested guests. We get a lot of DMs to get you guys on. Kristen Gallant and Dina Margolin of Big Little Feelings. And for those of you who don't know Big Little Feelings, you guys are toddler experts. You have 2.6 million followers on Instagram and you provide the best courses online for, um, for practical toddler behavior wrangling and <laughs> so to speak, <laughs> how to wrangle your toddler. Welcome. That's literally
3: it, so yes.
2: So welcome Kristen and Dina Thank you Welcome to the show Yeah, thanks for having us
1: Yeah, well, we're excited to talk to you I don't have a toddler, but Brittany has a toddler We both have little ones, though Um, So lots of learning to do for me personally in this episode But um, can you tell us about Big Little Feelings? Um, Is that this is your company, right? This isn't just an Instagram account So like tell us what it is How did you start it? How did you guys meet? Like, what's the deal?
3: Yeah. So Big Little Feelings, um, it came about right at the beginning of the pandemic, March of 2020, actually. Oh. Um, we dreamed it up two months before. We've been best friends since high school. So not to age us, but that's like a solid 20 years, if not more. <laughs> um, and uh, we dreamed it up and we knew it would live on Instagram because we we love Instagram. Uh, and I was like the Instagram mom at the time. Um, And we also knew right off the bat that we also wanted a course or some sort of a resource for what we thought was missing, which was practical shit. We really, honestly, as two professionals in the field, Dina was a renowned child psychologist in LA at the time with no kids. I had two little kids and we just couldn't find anything but like very clinical, very high level. Some of the parenting books were like how to get your kid to do homework, but absolutely nowhere was there just this like List of things that you face as a toddler mom every single day, like basically a battlefield that you're walking into every single day. And how do you respond and how do you react? Not only in the moment, but also you don't want to fuck your kid up long term. That was really honestly the overarching goal was that practicality mixed then with also making moms, parents. Feel less alone was the other 50% goal of not being picture perfect, of showing what reality looks like. That was the goal for Big Little Feelings in a nutshell. And here we are today.
2: Personally, like I feel like you came out at the best time because you had all these parents that were now stuck home with their kids and couldn't leave. And it was like 24-7. And for me, it was super helpful at the time. My now, he's going to be four, which is crazy. Um, He was... 18 months old when we first went into the pandemic so a lot of your um a lot of your stuff like really helped me and um it's and interesting because I wonder if you guys feel this way but do you feel like the pandemic created this like gentle parenting movement
3: I don't know I mean gentle parenting, first of all, is such a touchy, not a touchy, but it's a weird, it's a weird phenomenon that we even we have seen, because this has existed for so long. And before social media, it was and when, frankly, when a man does it, it's called neuroscience. But because now it's on social media, and there are women do it, it's called gentle parenting. I do think that you're right that perhaps the pandemic popularized it, turned it into social media, Mm -hmm. turned, this thing that was really based on neuroscience and has been around for such a long time and turned it into what is now popularized as gentle parenting I think you might be right
1: maybe because yeah parents were home with their kids and they were like paying attention like had no choice but to have to pay attention to every single move figure out like how to teach them things <laughs> do all of the things And everything was just
4: heightened there was just, like, more behaviorist stuff and, like, less breaks for us. Yeah. So, yeah,
3: everything heightened. Well, I also think the pressure of, and I don't know about you guys, but I feel like the pressure was up of, I'm going to swear again. I'm just going to swear the whole time, you guys. Sorry. Okay. But the pressure was <laughs> really don't. on, I think, for, like, Don't fuck this up, right? Because Mm -hmm. before it was sometimes, you know, they're in daycare or they are in preschool even four hours a day or like sometimes it wasn't all on you to not fuck this up. And so I (laughs) don't know about you, but when you're with them 24 hours a day and then you're worried about COVID, you're worried about, we didn't even know what COVID was at the time. You're worried about all of these things that Mm -hmm. the pressure, it was like a pressure cooker of like, it wasn't only worried about if they're going to get sick, are there, you know, what vaccines, all of that stuff, the pressure cooker really leaked into everything else because you're giving every single meal. You're watching every single screen time that they're seeing when they're at daycare or when they have a babysitter, even when grandma comes over, you're just like, whatever, dude, chicken nuggets, I don't care. But when Mm -hmm. it's just you all day long, you're under this microscope with yourself of like, God, am I just fucking this up every single day? It's all your (laughs) fault. Yeah. Yeah.
2: What do you think is uh, the biggest issue that parents come to you with?
4: I would say from our community, one of the biggest things that we hear is kind of what Kristen's saying. It's this essence of like, am I fucking them up? How do I raise a good, a kind, compassionate kid?
3: Yeah, we actually did a poll, a sort of like a poll, a sticker on this. And we were just, it was kind of like, what keeps you up at night? Or what is your most, yeah. your biggest worry as a parent? And it was... like, am I ruining them? Am I, am I raising a bad kid? Am I, that was a resounding, and it could be various things like is screen time ruining their brain is if, you know, it was various versions of, am I ruining them? It was wild to see.
1: Right, I was gonna ask like, what what about their parenting styles is ruining the kid? And and can you ruin your kid at that age (laughs) is really, what do you, yeah, what do you say to that?
4: Well, I would say a lot of it, well, I'm sure we have thoughts between the two of us, but like a lot of it is just this pressure to be perfect as parents. And that is not realistic. That's one thing we really wanted to bring to big little feelings in our community is like showing ourselves, hey, we're gonna we're gonna have a bad day. We're gonna yell at our kids, we're gonna hit our limit, we're exhausted, and we don't do it right, right? And even in those moments, like we're not fucking up our kids but I think the pressure to be perfect can can be what kind of drives us to that place.
3: And I'll also say I think a lot of the things that we worry about, I think this is true for life in general by the way, but you're when you're so in it, you're worried about this like super zoomed in lens, so you're like, "Oh my god, my kid watched 4 hours of Paw Patrol today. Oh my god, I fed them 4 waffles." And that's not going to ruin your kid. But that's what we see in the DMs or in those responses is these like really small, but it doesn't, it's not small because we're living in the moment type of things. Or even if you yelled at your kid one time or whatever it may be, that's really not going to ruin your kid, right? It's just not. It's more about, for us, repeatedly showing up for your kid. Does your kid feel safe? Do they feel seen? Do they feel heard overall? You're still not going to be perfect with that, by the way, right? I mean, how many times I shut it down and I'm like, it's not going to be perfect. But generally speaking, does your kid feel safe, loved? They're a little bit seen. They got a little bit of control here. Then that's really what's going to dictate if we are, quote unquote, fucking them up. If they're living in fear every single day, if they are being abused, if they, you know, any of those number of things, sure, we could say like, we might want to work on that. That might cause a little bit, but hey, never too late to start, right? But again, for the most part, I think we're focusing on on these things that actually we could just release a little bit on. Like, no, that's mm-hmm. not fucking them up. Yeah,
4: And also probably understanding that, especially with our toddlers and preschoolers, a normal healthy part of development is having huge feelings. They just, their brains have not developed yet to have impulse control. You see them screaming and kicking and crying on the floor when they're upset and to just kind of understand that that's actually really normal and you're not doing anything to fuck them up in those moments that's just toddlerhood
1: yeah Mm -hmm. in the market for investment-worthy bags watches and fine jewelry rebag is the answer
2: In like a specific case scenario where your your child is on the floor kicking and screaming, um, what can a parent do? Like what is the, I guess the quote unquote right way to handle that situation?
4: Yeah, well, mid tantrum is what we'll call it, right? When they're like on the floor, they're kicking, they're screaming, maybe they want something, maybe they're just having a hard time and they've melted down. The first thing we wanna do is come in with a calm, confident energy, which is really hard to do in the moment in real life when it's just like loud and chaotic. But one thing we know is that if we add our chaos to their chaos, it just perpetuates it. So bringing in kind of our calm, our confident can help them kind of feel safer. Mm -hmm. And what we want to do is okay their feelings. We want to see them. Like Kristen was saying, this is a huge part of building a healthy, resilient foundation for kids is just seeing them and okaying their feelings, saying, Hey, I see you're upset. You're really sad that we can't watch more screen time. It's okay to feel sad. That is huge. And then after that, we'll want to hold boundaries. So we don't actually want in this scenario, I'm going with screen time. You wouldn't want to go back and forth and be like, oh, OK, like, you know what, five more minutes, because it's just so overwhelming to you and it's loud. You want them to stop crying. If you give them those five more minutes and kind of don't hold a boundary, what ends up happening is a few things. One, we've confused their little toddler brains. So now it's like, wait a minute. You said we're all done screen time, but now I'm having five more minutes. Like, what? what do? what's real? How do I trust things? And then secondly, we kind of teach them in that scenario that, okay, if you scream loud enough and long enough and hard enough, you'll get what you want. Right? So next time we can almost guarantee a longer, stronger tantrum.
1: Mm -hmm. Like what is a tantrum? Like when when that's happening, like what do you want people to understand about? Like, I know you said, okay, their emotions are dysregulated, but what is it about like kids that make them have these big feelings and I know you're saying like approach it with empathy, but also hold a boundary. So like maybe like for for a who like don't haven't been there yet or parents who are like, oh, I need to see things differently now. Maybe like understanding the kid more is is the way. So it'd be great to hear that.
3: Yeah. Um, so I think a really great perspective that isn't always that common knowledge is that, especially at the toddler age, but honestly all throughout childhood, the part of the brain that is responsible for impulse control, logic, language, it's not fully developed. And so when we kind of cut them a break there, first of all, that Mm -hmm. can be really helpful. I mean, what is impulse control? That means, instead of saying, hey, you took my toy, I don't like that. Impulse control means they're gonna like hit somebody or they're gonna yell or they're gonna scream because they don't have that impulse control yet. They don't have the language. So they're screaming rather than saying the words out loud, even though we know they can say the words at this point, two, three, four years old, they're still developing those skills. And it is actually our job as parents to try to connect those areas, right? So the brain, it's just practice over and over and over and over again. And so it's our job to show up in those moments. So okaying the feelings is not just about empathy. It is about empathy because it's like, man, your brain is not developed yet and you are sad that this purple crayon is purple like that sucks right yes it's about empathy but what it's really actually about is connecting this feeling for the toddler because they have no idea what's happening they don't know what mad is they don't know what sad is they don't know what that is so when you identify that for them and you're really angry you're really sad you're having big feelings if you don't know what it is that's step one they with repetition over and over and over again now they can say what's this okay I'm feeling mad step two is, okay, what can I do when I'm mad, right? So later on, when you're kind of talking with them and you're saying earlier, you're feeling really mad, you threw that car, we do not hurt people, walk through some things they could do, right? And so with repetition over and over and over of identifying, okay, I feel mad, what should I do? We as adults even need that, right? I mean, how many times am I angry and I'm just like, snap at my husband that's what we do don't know why if i can work on it and work on a little more impulse control myself i might say huh you're having a bad day you're kind of a dick right now But (laughs) like validate you know you know what i mean it takes practice and it takes connection and that is really what we're trying to do
4: and a tantrum you can think of it as being kind of like overwhelmed with an emotion and it has to be expressed some way
2: You recently, Dina, posted a reel and it was, I forgot what it was exactly, but it was like um, your child like acting out, but then you acting out. It was like something about like basically it was like you're doing something and then your child is doing it and you wonder why your child is doing it. I I forget the exact saying, but I saw it and I was like, oh my God, like even though like I follow all this and I understand stand it. It was just a perfect way of putting it. Could you say exactly what it was just so people? Yeah,
3: yeah.
4: It was a reel that's basically like you get stuck in the loop of a cycle where I yell at my kids when I'm upset. And then all of a sudden, my kids are yelling when they're upset. And it's like, oh, shit, like, here we are.
2: It was just like, oh my god that just <laughs> was so simple and made so much sense because like and like you were just saying kristen like i sometimes am just unhinged like especially after like a long day of work or and you know and two kids crying i'm like oh my god and to kind of like empathize with them you're just like i want somebody to empathize with me like i can't do this so like to to really to see that it really it felt that like i i think this is like the other day so i was like okay i am now like totally following that.
3: <laughs> yeah, and again, it's not about perfection because I mean, you got to let yourself go whether that's 20% of the time, 30%, 40% of the time, but honestly, what I try to do because I was not raised like this. So this is not intuitive for me at all. Like if I hear yeah. some a little child screaming at me, the last fucking instinct that I have to do <laughs> is to be like, "Oh, honey, you're feel The last thing, (laughs) let me tell you. There's like a list of 50 things that want to go first, okay? But what I try, and this might seem a little wild or a little crazy, but I really do try to think, what is the the goal here? Because even for me just being selfish, let alone, of course, their long-term health, their emotional well-being, yes, of course, those are the goals. Even for me personally, if I want to de-escalate this, and if I also want them to not scream back at me, which now I have a five-year-old, so, you know... I have to right now model how I want them to act. You know what I mean? And it's my job. I try to, in my head, I'm like, she's three, I'm 35. She's three, I'm 35. (laughs) Like literally my (laughs) mantra. And it's not going to be perfect, but sometimes then I can muster the strength to be like, Ooh, honey, you spilled that. It's okay to make mistakes, you know, rather than, you know, which I obviously do. But you know what I mean? It it makes me pause in the moment. And you don't have to say anything, by the way. This is a really important factor, too. You can just kind of be quiet, take some deep breaths. And if you can muster up sort of an empathetic look on your face and kind of rub a back or something or just sit there, that's good enough, too. Like, if you can't say anything and you're just triggered that's okay. You know what I mean? Just, just sit there and just ride the storm and just kind of like, sometimes I'll just nod my head while I take deep breaths too. And that's as Mm -hmm. much as I can do.
1: That three. Yeah. yeah, That three to 35 thing is funny because it, it is like maybe with our parents or the older generations, they like, there's this expectation that kids are just supposed to act like adults naturally. Like they just, just naturally happens. And so like there is obviously a different parenting style. Um, So it is, that like is the expectation so flipping it uh, it's 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 also funny to like also see our parents see this type of (laughs) style happening because it's like what are you doing (laughs) well
3: we could let Dina share a little story about what the pressures of being that perfectly behaved or well behaved kid or shoving your emotions down I feel like with those generations it's either you turn into the good kid Dina Or you turn into the bad kid, which is what I did. And so, Dina, (laughs) do you want to like talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah.
4: I mean, I also didn't come from a house where it was big little feelings. We did not parent on neuroscience in my house. Like, basically, we just didn't do feelings. And if we did, they came out in kind of like these explosive that was yelling. Like, it was just big emotions all over the place in my house. And what ended up happening was to kind of adapt to that. I became this kind of perfect kid who just never really had emotions and I held everything in so that I wouldn't cause problems. And then later on, that became anxiety and, you know, like wanting to be successful, but doing it to a point where I put my own feelings and needs completely last and developing disordered eating, like anything I could kind of control to become this perfect, someone who doesn't really like cause disruptions because we just didn't, I didn't have feelings, tools that Mm -hmm. were passed down to me.
3: And so I think when the expectations, you know, it could go, whether it's a little more extreme or in Dina's, maybe it was a little more, you know, whatever we want to call it. But even just when we have expectations that are not appropriate for their age. And again, I think we cannot emphasize the word boundaries enough right? It is never okay to hit. We are never going to allow a myriad of things. And while that's happening, we can still let them express their feelings. That is just such a game changer because when you're teaching a child to shut down their emotions, I don't know about you, but for 10, 15 years of my life in adulthood, the way that I would shove feelings back down, that, you know, let's hope early 20s, Kristen does not come out on the internet because there were a lot of unhealthy behaviors. You know, we were Mm -hmm. never taught that, Feel whatever you're feeling is human. We all feel angry, and then hey, what's like a healthy way of dealing with it? Never. Like we were never taught that. I know,
4: but to get like nerdy for a second, I mean, if you look at discipline, the Latin root is literally to learn, to teach. Like we are our kids' teachers, teaching them about okay, here's what you feel, and here's how you can handle it in a safe way, and that's like you just boil it down to that, really.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's also a really big difference, I think, also in like our parents' generation and the, the I guess, is it is it okay to call it gentle parenting? Is that like the, what is, what do we, what do we call it? Yeah,
4: I mean, like my background is in something called interpersonal neurobiology, which is really just the science of how your brain and mind and relationships come together to shape who you are and who you can become, how you can become more resilient.
1: Okay so parenting, <laughs> Just <call me> parenting. <laughs> so parenting. Yeah. modern day parenting modern day parenting sure. modern 2022 yeah. parenting i that's also like a big thing and i and i always like i read comments to like in a lot of the the modern day parenting accounts where a lot of people like it makes them mad too to see like this type of way be the way that's you know suggested because like how will they ever learn how will they like know that hitting is bad like you said or how will they know that like you can't do certain things so what do you so what are the appropriate ways to discipline versus like I guess inappropriate and how Because I mean, feelings like feelings, talking about your feelings is one thing, but then like when there are there, you need to discipline, like what's what's the right way?
3: You still need to address the behavior. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, you have to address the behavior. And that is not I think that's a really common misconception, whether you want to call it gentle parenting or whatever you want to call it. That And that's why I don't really like the term gentle parenting, because right. it makes it sound like it's permissive parenting, even though it's not. You can still validate someone's feelings all day long while still not allowing them to hit, while still teaching right. them it's not okay to throw an iPad on the ground, while still teaching them a myriad of things. So we cannot underestimate discipline and consequences. We believe in consequences, too. But I do want to just say that the, those, the people who get really angry about it and fired up, that's okay, first of all. It's okay to have those feelings. Look at me.
2: You're upset right now with me. I'm sorry. That was gross. Feel that That way. Gross.
1: Um, (laughs) I'm
3: disgusted. Um, But you know what we what we teach at Big Little Feelings and what most of these accounts is rooted in. Again, it gets. I get a little bit upset about it because because we are women and because we are on the internet, it does get dismissed as. How are you gonna teach them? How are they gonna learn? How are they gonna know better? But when there is a man who writes a book on it, it is literally called neuroscience. And what science shows us is that when you use punishments, when you use fear-based tactics, and it could be, of course, spanking is, is the most extreme, but we do see that in the comments, right? If they hit you, hit them back. What research shows is that your child is a lot more likely to be prone to violence, prone to depression, prone to anxiety, they are going to turn around in 10 years, probably not today, because they're afraid, but in 10 years, now they're violent. Now they're mirroring the exact same thing that you've been doing for this long. And I think a lot of people, the older generation, and then people who are still sort of screaming in the comment sections, they haven't read the research, and that's okay. But it's plain and clear as day that this is not the way that children learn, and this is not the way that human beings learn. When you go to school, they got rid of corporal punishment. You do not learn by being, if you get a math problem wrong, to be smacked with a ruler. That's not how the brain works. And fear actually impedes long-term learning, again, based on research. So whether the fear is being spanked, whether the fear is go sit in the corner alone, mom doesn't like you right now, don't even look at me. If it is fear-based, it's not going to work long term. Even though in that moment it might stop them because they are freezing, it's not actually going to stop the behavior. So you find yourselves in this like hamster wheel of putting them in a timeout or spanking or whatever the fear based thing might be a threat that's totally unrelated and you think it's working because it works right that second and you're on the hamster wheel because they come out of that timeout and then you're not looking for one second and they hit somebody in the face again right because we're not getting to the root of the problem so dina do you want to talk about what kind of you should you could do or what science says we should do (laughs) Yeah, sure. I mean, I guess maybe it's helpful to walk
4: through this scenario you guys brought up hitting. Maybe let's walk through that together. But your kid hits someone, right? Or they hit you in that moment. You want to come in, like we were saying with the calm energy, which is really hard if you just got hit, obviously, but you ground yourself and you let them know hitting is not okay. You're feeling angry. Right? But hitting is not okay. I'm going to help everyone stay safe. I'm going to move my body back to stay safe. And we have to just be really consistent in naming the emotion, setting the boundary, both in words, but also in action. If they're hitting their baby sister, right? It's I'm going to move baby to keep her safe. And we do this over and over. And we're not having a big reaction, like a big no, or that's not okay. We do not hit. Because we know with the toddler stage, especially when we bring that big reaction in, what happens is we accidentally fuel the behavior more. We make it exciting. We're giving it a ton of attention, which is sometimes what they want, even to the point of using these unwanted behaviors to get our attention. And so, yeah, if we bring in a big reaction, we are likely going to be seeing more of that behavior.
3: We always use this uh, this analogy, which I think is so perfect, is like you're washing the dishes for one second, finally, and like the toddler and the baby are actually OK, right? You can see everything happening. You're washing the dishes. Your toddler's dream in that moment is for you to stop doing the dishes, put it down, walk over to them, and look them in the eye, right? And so if they hit their baby sister and they're learning over and over and over again that if they come up and they're like mom can I play mom can I play and we're like no no no, I'm doing dishes which is fine by the way you should totally do that that's what I do too but if they hit baby sister guess what happens and not if you hit it hard enough mom's probably gonna turn the water off stop what she's doing walk over to me look in my eye and give me a big reaction, a big no, then she's going to take me up and whatever it may be. And it sounds crazy, but our toddlers are so desperate for our attention that they will rely even on negative attention in order to get it. And so that's why we try, even though people are like, really, you want to stay calm and you don't want to do anything in the moment? It's like, n- no, you don't want to do anything in that moment other than sort of identify the feeling, keep everyone safe, and then Dina, we'll probably talk about that later on during a conference. Exactly.
4: Exactly. Well- Kristen was sharing this too, but literally your brain, when you're in an emotionally heightened state, your brain cannot take in new information. No learning can happen for your toddler when they are in that tantrum whirlwind moment or the hitting moment where everything is just so heightened. So the best thing you can do is first, just keep everyone safe in that moment. Right. And then later, when things are calmer, aka when your toddler's brain can take in new information and learn, go back over that scenario. Oh, your sister knocked over your tower. You were working so hard on that. You felt really, really mad. What can you do next time instead of hitting her? Yes, you could tell her, Oh, I don't like that. Or you could say, You know, mom, like my tower. We wanna practice with them. And at that age too, one helpful thing you can do is role play it out with dolls even, right? So redo that whole scenario. And now the dolls are having a conflict and you show them how they can resolve it without hitting.
2: Mm-hmm. I literally feel like you you're you have a camera in my house at <laughs> 5 p.m. every single night. Like this is my it's life. It's all of us. Literally my life. It's all of us. You know one thing that we do and like I don't know if this is right or wrong is like my son he's definitely like a I don't want to say aggressive he's like a really sweet kid but he tends to use his hands and we've been working on that for a couple of years now and um (laughs) but you know sometimes we'll have him sit on the steps and we'll say you need a timeout. like you need to sit you need to just like take a deep breath and like even though like I've read you say like don't tell them to take a deep breath because that's just frustrating for them so actually I have like two questions so like is that not I don't want to say not allowed but like look down upon maybe to like say like you're going in timeout like you need to be separated from the situation like should we not be doing that
3: I think it's all in the way that you are portraying it so I think when we use it as a punishment and they know this is something like you are bad you're being punishment get Mm -hmm. over here Whatever it may be, that is very different um, than your hitting. It is not okay to hit. We know this because we're saying this over and over and over each time it happens, right? It's like a broken record. It is not okay to hit. I'm, let's go over here. We're going over here. We like to call it a cozy corner. That might feel kind of vommy to you and like, ew, gross. I don't (laughs) like that too floppy. Call it whatever the fuck you want. Probably don't call it a timeout. Call it more of just like, this is a calm down space. This is a helpful space. Like just reframe. You're doing the exact same thing, except your child isn't feeling sort of like shame, bad. I I, you know, I'm bad. I did this. And instead you're actually turning it into a coping skill, which is like, You're feeling angry, you're hitting, it is not okay to hit. This is what we do when we feel mad. Come over here to whatever this space is. Yeah. let's sit if you want to say let's take a deep breath if you want to say here like shake your there, squeeze the little squeeze balls or something like that like give them something that they can do in that moment especially if mm-hmm. you think he's four yeah that can actually teach them right because that's one barrier of timeouts is right it's just this blanket sort of punishment and it doesn't teach them what to do next time so you could do kind of the same thing but turn it into a moment where they literally feel that anger they kind of messed up a little bit okay but what should i do right now instead that's going to make me feel better it's almost the same thing right
4: and there's no problem by the way with when aggression is happening to take a pause and it's like okay i'm going to keep everyone safe you go right here You go right here and create a little bit of distance to pause it all so that it can have an opportunity everything can calm down for a second but one big thing is you want to stay with them in their hard moments Mm -hmm. both as kristen was saying to teach them but also like bigger life lesson in terms of having healthy relationships as they grow up we want them to know that you can be in a relationship when people are having a hard time you can support each other through big emotions you don't need to be sent away or isolated or abandoned or shamed you know for having a tough time
1: how how does that like answer though the problem that they just want your attention like if you do go and spend time with them when they're doing like obviously you're not going to ignore it but how does that answer or solve that issue
3: Well, what we try to... That's why, A, we try to recommend it's incredibly even keeled. I mean, we don't want to go up to them when they're hitting and be like, oh, boo-boo bear, oh my God. You know what I mean? Like, it's Mm -hmm. a really neutral kind of reaction. Um, It's also, again, based on the brain because your brain learns through patterns. And so what your child is learning over and over and over and over again, they get that pattern of where it's like, I'm bad, then people leave me. I'm bad, then people leave me. And we wanna create that thing of, we don't wanna create a pattern of I'm bad and somebody instantly comes over and like coddles, whatever the word you wanna use, and is like beep, 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 but hey, I'm not gonna be alone. I mean, you don't, you can just stand there. You can just kind of empathize and you can still say, oh, it's not okay to hit, right? Um, And then a really big part of this is we do, to combat that sort of what you're saying is what we call the 10-minute miracle. And that is, if you are seeing a lot of hitting, if you are seeing a lot of whining, if you're seeing potty regressions at night, if you're seeing whatever it may be, just an uptick in sort of behavior, 10-minute miracle is 10 minutes with your kid. There's no sibling, there's no baby sister, there's no devices, you don't have your phone, and they can pick whatever they wanna do. It could be dinosaurs, it could be Legos, whatever it is. This is also based in research. We didn't make this up. It is like a lifetime to your kid to get 10 minutes, whether it's every day or whether it's five days a week. It can really actually curb that hitting so that maybe suddenly they're not relying on that behavior in order to get your attention. And you're really focused and you're really loving and you're really engaged in that moment.
4: You can think of it as you are proactively filling up their attention tank so they don't need to rely on the unwanted behaviors to go do that.
2: Yeah that makes a lot of sense sense. one thing that i feel like i have a not like a hard time with but like when i say to him sometimes like oh you're frustrated or you're mad and i'm thinking like do i really know that he's frustrated or mad like how are you able to figure out those emotions and like are you like you're telling your child how they feel like isn't there isn't that kind of like maybe you don't like i don't want to be told how i feel
3: Yeah. I think it also depends on the age, really, honestly. Because when they're first learning, they don't have, again, they have no idea what this is. It's kind of like, this is a cat, right? So you have to teach them, this is a cat. So at a certain point, you're absolutely right. And we can just say, you're having really big feelings. Or you're over, whatever it may be, you absolutely can kind of shift to that once you know that they have this understanding. What is mad? What is sad? And you've done it enough during calm moments too. Like you're reading books about feelings. You know they can match a face to what what the feeling is. You can totally leave it open ended, and you don't necessarily have to label it every single time. And what's good in that age is again when we say they don't really learn anything in the moment, anyways. Later on, like let them tell you how they were feeling. Be like, hey, dude you hit your sister earlier. That's not really like you. Like, what was going on? What were you feeling? And they'd be like, God, I just felt so mad. And you'd be like, that's okay to feel mad. It's not okay to hit her. You know, that kind of a discussion. You can really let them lead it and let them make that connection.
4: Yeah, it's like a back and forth that happens, though. Especially when they're younger, they just don't know. And the more you do talk about feelings, the more they'll be able to name their own feelings eventually. Right. Mm -hmm.
1: That makes sense. So going back to like our parents or their grandparents, how do you get people, the other people in their life to get on board with your style of parenting so that there is consistency in the kid's life?
3: Yeah, I think this one is, you know, it's going to be really unique for everybody, first of all. Um, for me personally, there are certain things that like I let go and let God on, you know? I mean, when my first was born, everything was like organic and cucumbers and whatever. And even then... Uh, when grandma would come, it's like, have ice cream 10 times a day. Now I'm grandma. You know, now like my kids literally had ice cream for breakfast. Hello. surprise. (laughs) But like, there are certain things for me, at least personally, and I think a lot of people that you could let go on eating with grandma great, you know, whatever else schedules, great, loosen up. One thing that I'm pretty firm on is like, sort of yelling, shaming, that type of scenario, timeouts, I'm firmer on that. And so sometimes that means you can't leave them alone with grandma if you don't trust them or sometimes it means you know sharing a research article with grandma or sometimes it just means firmer boundaries every single time almost like a toddler where it's like i understand that you think this is the right thing to do and in our house this is how we do it i know grayson wants to see you so when he gets mad please do xyz it's such a it's such a personalized experience
4: right it is i'm kind of laughing too because i recently had this after my mom stayed with us and sorry mom if you're listening but uh it was kind of funny because she came to me at one point and she was like hey all this feeling talk that's (laughs) happening I think you're just like planting ideas in his head to make him more emotional and upset all the time and I was like (laughs) well you know research doesn't exactly say that so thank you so much here's how we do it in our house (laughs) yeah
2: yeah which is interesting because it's like what you were telling us earlier that that feels very on brand yeah. <laughs> so to well, speak and
3: I think it also depends I mean for me personally and maybe other people don't ever get here but I swear to god and sorry mom if she's listening but I swear to god at the beginning people look like I had eight eyeballs on my head when I would feed my like six seven eight month old big pieces of broccoli and like salmon and sushi and people were like Like, you're going to kill her. Like, she's going to die. And then literally, it's like she's four and a half years old. She's pounding sushi in a restaurant. And my mom, who has never said sorry to me once in her life, is the most headstrong woman. And she was like, I thought you were crazy. But and this was before (laughs) Big Little Feelings came out, by the way. But she was so she was like, you really need to teach people how to do things because, like, (laughs) I thought you were insane and the same with like emotional stuff too she's like I thought you were insane but she is like I've never seen a kid that compassionate and kind and she just like says sorry and she cares about people she's like you were right like I really thought you were insane and in that moment I dropped dead because I was like well it's (laughs) it's research you know what I mean so I
2: just kind of thought I didn't make it up but thank you
1: (laughs) that's really funny
2: that is really funny
1: Well, speaking of I'm sorry, like I've seen so many different like posts about how you shouldn't tell your kids to say thank you or you shouldn't tell your kids to say I'm sorry. How do like how do you get them like you're saying being like these compassionate kids who say sorry on their own and say thank you without being told that that's like what you should quote unquote do?
4: I think it can be really tempting because for so long, that's all we've known is go say sorry, go say sorry. And it comes from this, you know, well-meaning place of like, I want to have a polite kid who's caring. Mm-hmm. But what we know is to teach real empathy, they have to experience empathy in a way, which is like stepping into someone else's shoes and seeing what they're feeling and then taking it a step further into compassion, which is like, I'm going to help you feel better. So really it all comes down to just walking through it with them and replacing that go say sorry with, oh, look, how do you think he's feeling right now? He looks pretty upset. Let's go see if he's okay. Hey, Carson, are you okay? Hitting's never okay you know, and really walking through it with them so that they get that experience of learning how to go check in, how to repair. And that's Mm -hmm. what you want them to learn.
3: We forget this or we don't know this, but their brains are again developing. And so at two years old, that empathy piece is just really, and it's different in all kids. Like you might meet a two-year-old, but generally speaking, it's actually not developed yet. And so us kind of barking at them, say sorry, they're learning to say sorry one of two ways, either because they're afraid, because like, if you don't say sorry, then you don't get bro, you don't get this, or you don't get that or whatever, or the other way, which is a people pleasing way, which is I want to make mommy happy. So I'll say sorry. But if you're not there, or if, if they're doing something else, you really think they're ever going to say sorry? No, because like Dina's saying, they're not understanding Oh, look at his face, it looks sad. Why do you think he looks sad? Oh, because I hit them, I'm sorry. So when you walk them through that scenario, and I would only add, make sure you say sorry, right? So just go over and kind of say in front of them every single time what you would want them to say. It honestly comes naturally. It's just like we talked about where that whole thing of the like real, where it's like yelling at my kids and then they yell at me. It works in positive ways too so if you go over a repetitively every single time and you say oh carson that looks like it hurt i'm really sorry your kid really is going to pick up on that i promise the amount of times that they can pick up on the one time that you say "fuck" in front of them and then they say "fuck," <laughs> they will they pick up on good things too they
4: do yeah yeah that's yeah. true <laughs> you can kind of think of it too as like your voice becomes their internal voice
1: Oh, well, that makes a lot of sense (laughs) for my personal (laughs) internal monologue.
2: (laughs) Is it so like being a parent, like going through the whole, because I think four is like not toddler anymore. It's little kid. Is that what it's considered? So I feel like kind of like going through the toddler phase and like knowing how like I've tried to practice all these things and I do. And, um, but I'm not perfect at all. Like I would say it's very 50-50. Do you, but then I feel really guilty about it not being like 100% of the time. Do you feel like most parents would probably say the same?
3: 100% hundred percent. I feel the same way. Are you kidding? I feel that way every single day. Yeah. We text about it all the time together about feeling guilty. Yeah. We were literally talking this morning about, like, the time that Dina Dina lost her shit and she, like, slammed an iPad on her 18-month-old, not, like, physically, physically. <laughs> yeah. okay, not Child Protective <laughs> Services, <And she> was <laughs> in front of I him, know. okay, and I, yesterday, was just, like, I said all the wrong things. I wasn't, I didn't mean to say it, and I was just not, we talk about it all the time, all the yeah. time, and we literally know exactly... All, all I think that this knowledge is doing is, for me at least, all I can really say personally and why we decided to start what we started was, again, I did not come from a home like this. And it is not, people say, like, follow your instincts. And I'm like, the fuck I am. Like, nope, mm-mm, that is not what I should do because my instincts based on the way my brain was shaped growing up is to do the total opposite of what I want to do, what I think is right, and what research says to do. And so I think all of this information that we have these days, it should not be about perfection. It should be about like anything else where you have a base knowledge of the thing you're about to do. Are you a perfect driver because you took a driving test and you read a pamphlet? No, not at all. But at least you kind of know, like the rules of the land, like, hey, no right turn on a red. You're not just literally haphazardly going out there. So that's how I like to think of it is, okay, at least I know what generally research says could foster this thing and be a really good thing to do. I know what research says is like not the best thing to do. And then I am not gonna be perfect at it. If I can get it 50-50, dude, that's a win. That's so much better than 0%, which I had growing up. That is a total win. Yeah. And to be like science about it too, I mean,
4: You've been for 30, 40 years using these certain neural pathways in your brain, which are really just how you react to things. So, of course, to build new reactions and new neural pathways, it's going to take so much time and work and you're not going to get it right because the one you've been using for
3: so long is the go-to. It's mm-hmm. natural. I love when she gets nerdy with it. It's my favorite
1: thing. <laughs> it makes sense. The repetition and the practice and it makes uh, you, it becomes natural exactly. eventually. Yeah.
4: Any small like change or shift, even one time, that's a win. Yeah. yeah. Celebrate it.
1: Well, thank you both so much for joining us today. I've learned a lot. <laughs> and um, where can people follow you, find your courses, do all of the things?
3: Yeah, you can follow us on Instagram at Big Little Feelings, and then you can find both of our courses. We have our best-selling kind of cult classic, Winning the Toddler Stage. It's actually for ages one through six um, on BigLittleFeelings.com, and we also just came out with a potty training course, which is everybody is really loving and going really well.
1: That's great. That's yeah. cool. Potty that's awesome. training. Oh, my gosh. can't think about it. I know. It. It's, like, okay. it's 10 months. Yeah. Um, I'm not <laughs> looking forward to that again. Okay. Nope. nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you both so much. Everyone go follow b- at Big Little Feelings. And that's it for this episode of the Betches Moms podcast. Please, guys, don't forget to rate, review, and follow us on Apple and Spotify and follow at Betches Moms on Instagram. And remember, there are no rules on this podcast. I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom, right, Regina? Please stop talking.